This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you got to clear your throat at the end. So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you? Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply. That too is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's Ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's Spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's Spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's Ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's Ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's spirit. And so today, the spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit.
Hi friends, Ron here, and I am so glad to be with you today. Um, this feels a little bit like professional sports. Uh, the game goes on, everybody's watching on their TV at home, but there's no one in the stands. And uh, I guess we're all learning to make these, these adaptations and adjustments. And I just wanna say I'm so proud of you based on the feedback we're getting from so many of you. You are finding a way to make this distance learning, this church online, uh, you are finding a way to make it work, to connect with each other, to grow your faith, and uh, I am just so proud of you. And today we're gonna give you some very specific ways, even in the midst of shelter in place, that we can all get connected or maybe even more deeply connected. Now listen, we just saw a video about the Holy Spirit, which I loved. And you're going to hear us talking a lot about the Holy Spirit in the future. And we have been talking about it quite a bit in the past because the Spirit of God plays such a vital role in your life and mine. We live in a broken world filled with messed up people like you and me. And God has a wonderful plan for our world. And we're going to dig into that. You and I are going to find that we play a strategic role in God's plan for our world and the Holy Spirit as, as our companion is huge in that. We're going to see that several ways today, but I want to begin by, by reminding you the title of this teaching series is A Place for Me. And I just want you to know on page after page of scripture, it's very clear that there's a personal place for you and me in God's story and what an amazing privilege we have. So let's jump in. I, I want to start by telling you a story. In, in uh, 2017, when the fires first ravaged Santa Rosa and, and areas up north of here, people began to flood into Petaluma by the thousands. And we opened up our church facility as an emergency shelter. And very, very soon we found <clears throat> we were hosting more than 500 people. And I can tell you... Um, Boy, there was chaos everywhere, and yet it was organized, and we had a command central and, and our operations hub, and seated at the desk in that operations hub, more often than not, was, was our staff member, Angela, who just happens to be my daughter. And after we were in this thing for about 36 hours, and I realized that Angela had been the operations director for... Uh, 24 or more of the first 36 hours. As her father, I was very concerned for her. So I, I approached her at the operations uh, hub with a simple question. I looked in her eyes and I said, Angela, are you okay? With a smile that went from ear to ear and a glint in her eye, I will never forget what she said to me. She looked me straight in the eye and she said, Dad, I was made for this. And, and as I left the desk, I thought, isn't that beautiful and wonderful? <clears throat> she was saying to me, hey, dad, I have found my place in God's story. And friends, when you and I find our place in God's story, there will be something deep inside of us that will continually say, I was made for this. And that's what we're going to press into this morning because that's the title of our teaching, I Was Made for This. 
So let's jump straight into the passage of Scripture that this whole series is based on. And Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, writes, You are coming to Christ. You are coming to Jesus, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. And you are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Wow. Think of a wall of the temple and think of the stones in it. And every stone represents someone in God's kingdom. Now, I want you to think for a minute with me. Imagine what would happen if one of those stones was missing. Well, when you and I walked up to the wall and looked, the first place our eyes would land is, well, where's the missing stone? There's something wrong with that wall. It's missing a stone. And I just want to suggest to you and me that in this great temple of Jesus, this great temple of God, that there is a place for you. And there's a place for me. And when we're not in that place, there's a defect in the temple of God because it was designed with a place for you and for me. Now, if you're like me, you look at our world and you say, wow, I would like to be part uh, uh, of helping this world. And if your parents were anything like my parents, you could finish this statement pretty easily. My parents used to say, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the what? Yeah, you, you could say it. You're part of the problem. So that brings up a really interesting question. As we look at our world and all of its current challenges, the question that keeps coming up is, what's Jesus' solution for our broken world filled, up with, filled with messed up people like you and me? What's his answer? What's his fix? I think you'll be amazed. On page after page of scripture, he keeps saying, you are my fix. People like you and me. Wow. Think about this. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are salt in this world. You are my witnesses. You are my daughters. You are my sons. You are the, least, the yeast that's supposed to be level, leavening the whole world. You are priests in this world. Friend, it's on page after page after page. And I want to say to you, one of the biggest reasons why you want to be part of the kingdom of Jesus is because he immediately begins to enable and equip you, equip you to make a difference in this world, to be part of the solution. And we're going to see what that looks like in just a few minutes. But if you're like me, the first question that comes up is, how? How in the world could somebody like me, I've got problems of my own. I have challenges of my own. I try to be a good person, but I'm a long way from being the savior of the world. So how could Jesus use <clears throat> someone like me? I don't feel worthy. I certainly don't feel qualified. Well, this is where the kingdom of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus parts ways with every other world religion. Because Jesus doesn't build his kingdom the way that other world religious leaders choose to build theirs. 
You see, Jesus was different. And there's a wonderful story captured by one of Jesus' closest followers. His name happens to be John. And John captures this story of, of, a, of a religious leader who is watching this young rabbi Jesus very early on as he's launching his ministry. And he's watching Jesus and he's scratching his head. He's going, I don't get Jesus. He's so different from every other religious leader. He seldom goes to the synagogue. And, and, and when he teaches people, he teaches things that no other teacher is teaching, and they don't seem to be all that intuitive. They, they, they seem to run in some ways counter to human nature. And, and it's like Nicodemus was in this wrestle in his head of, Jesus is so different I'm having a difficult time believing him. And so he decides to go to Jesus, and, and I want us to see that story. So uh, John captures the story by saying a man named Nicodemus, whom I think Jesus probably called Nick because he wanted to be friends with him, and uh, Jesus wasn't a very formal guy. So he was a Jewish religious leader, and he came to speak with Jesus after dark one evening. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And he's just starting to unfold the problem when Jesus sort of interrupts because he knows where Nicodemus is going. Nicodemus is going to this point where, Jesus, you're so different. I, I, I'm having a difficult time believing in you. And Jesus wants Nick to know, not only am I different, the people who follow me are going to become radically different than they currently are. And so Jesus interrupts and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Wow. Jesus introduces a concept that no one on the face of planet earth had ever heard of. Born again. Born. This radical transition from one way of living to another, pictured in the birth of a baby. Life inside the womb is so different from life outside the womb. And the only way you get from inside the womb to outside the womb is this transition we call birth. And Jesus borrows that term and says, entering the kingdom of God is like being born again. It's going from one reality to a new reality, from one way of living to a brand new way of living. Well, needless to say, if, if what Jesus taught before was a head scratcher, uh, Nicodemus is really scratching his head now. So what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He's dead serious. And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. He's saying, Nick, relax, man. But what I am telling you this is everything in the kingdom of Jesus is going to be radically different from everything in the kingdoms of this earth. So you have to be born into it. It's a radical transition from one way of living to another way of living. 
Well, while Nicodemus was pondering that, Jesus ties a bow on this conversation by saying this, Hey, Nick, humans can reproduce only human life. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Wow, the spiritual life that is the norm in the kingdom of Jesus. So that brings up a big question. Well, what's so great about the kingdom of Jesus? Why would I want to enter that kingdom? And in many ways, what I'm teaching you today would be a whole bunch of reasons why you want to be a follower of Jesus. And I gave you one already because he helps you become part of the, of the solution to helping change our world. Let me give you some other reasons. Why would you want to enter his kingdom? There are four wonderful reasons that I'm going to talk about in the next few minutes. Number one, in the kingdom of Jesus, everyone is forgiven completely. We talked about a broken world filled with messed up people like you and me. Well, one of the great things about the kingdom of Jesus is everyone gets a fresh start. Everyone. And not just a fresh start. Everyone gets this renewal day after day after day. Right now, you and I, I, I'm carrying a bottle of hand sanitizer in my pocket and I'm giving my hands a fresh start time after time after time. Every day, I am giving forgiveness to my hands. In the kingdom of Jesus, everyone is forgiven completely. It's not earned. You don't have to work for it. You are literally born into that forgiveness. The second reason is in the kingdom of Jesus, injustices are made right. Right now, as a country and a world, we are struggling with multiple injustices. And in our country, there are riots and, 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 and all sorts of demonstrations uh, because, unfortunately, we have a history of injustice when it comes to systemic racism. Not necessarily hatred of races, but the unequal treatment of people based on race. In the kingdom of Jesus, injustices are made right. Jesus hinted at this when he taught one day and he said, you know what, in my kingdom, many who are first will be last. And many who are last will be first. Those who are last, those who have been oppressed, and suppressed, and abused, and mistreated, they're going to be first. And many who have been sitting in the places of privilege are going to find themselves at the end of the line because in the kingdom of Jesus, injustices are made right. A third reason is this. In the kingdom of Jesus, every culture is seen as a beautiful and equally valued expression of God's personality. I like to think of it like this. Uh, when you crank up an African beat, you can expect God to get off the throne and begin to dance. And he will move to that beat. If you crank up a mariachi band, you can expect to find Jesus dancing a traditional Mexican dance. Because he will move to that beat and that culture. 
If you crank up country western music, he's likely to pick up a banjo and begin to strum and sing because he's got country music in his blood. It's one of the beautiful things about the kingdom of Jesus because in the kingdom of Jesus, every culture is seen as a beautiful and wonderful and equally valued expression of the personality of God. Friends, you and I in this Western culture have to begin to rid our minds of this white Western God because our God has culture after culture after culture in his veins because the cultures are his invention, his idea, his creation, and he treasures every culture equally. And last of all, the kingdom of Jesus is the kingdom that will prevail. In the end, it's the only kingdom that will exist. I love what the writer of the book of Revelation says when he pictures that day when the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. It's his kingdom in the end that prevails. So, wow, those are four fabulous reasons why I'm part of the kingdom of God. I've chosen that in my life and why I would want to encourage you of if you want to be part of the solution in our world, then get on board with the kingdom of Jesus because we are his fix, his present fix for our world. So that brings up another question. So Jesus was talking to Nick about being born again. So when we're born again, what are we born into? Inside this kingdom of Jesus. Well, I'm going to focus on only two words today, and they're found again in this passage of Scripture that we're using as the basis for this whole teaching. Peter writes, you are royal priests. Remember those two words, royal priests. A holy nation, God's very own possession, and because of this, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So, what are we born into? Well, I'm going to give us three things that we're born into, just out of those two words, royal priest. First, we are born into royalty. I mean, Peter said, you're royal. So what does that mean? Well, I can't break it out completely, but I do want to say this. When Peter used the word royal, he is actually wanting us to get this truth, that the least among us is a princess or a prince of God in the kingdom of Jesus. So the day that you and I choose to be born again into this kingdom, we are born into royalty. If, if, if you're a woman, you are born into being a princess in the kingdom of Jesus. And, and if you're a guy, you are born into being a prince in the kingdom of Jesus because we're royal priests. Secondly, we're born into purpose. Priests have a purpose. They help people connect with God. They bless God. They lead in worship. They do wonderful things. You and I were born into purpose. The least among us, Peter says, is a priest in God's temple. The least among us is a priest in God's temple. 
What a fabulous purpose in life. And we're going to give us a way in a little bit for us to play out that role. And then last of all, we are born into beauty. Did you know that the least among us shares in God's divine nature? Wow. Let me read to you what Peter writes a little bit later. Peter says, because of God's glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. Notice the juxtaposition of divine and human. You see, when we're born again, we, we transition from this purely human life and we transition into a world where we are still human, but we are filled with a divine nature. The Spirit of God lives in us and begins to change us from the inside out. And we become fundamentally different people. And we move from being part of the problem to being part of the solution. So today, I want to give us two invitations. I want to give us the invitation to be born again. That is to allow God's Spirit to transition us from living like a natural human being to living like a human being with God's nature in us. It begins with the decision. And if you want to make that decision today, I have some information that I want to give to you that will help you make that decision and help you live out that transition and experience being born again. So you can email me at ron at newlifepetaluma.com and I will respond to you immediately because you're going to get to experience what it's like to be born again into royalty, into purpose, and into beauty. I want to give you a second invitation. We're going to do a baptism service in the very near future. And baptism is a symbol of being born into that kingdom. And it's the, this wonderful experience that Jesus joins us in as we symbolize our birth into the kingdom of Jesus. Now listen, we're going to do this safely. We're going to follow a lot of uh, processes that make sure that we don't accidentally pass the coronavirus to anyone. We, we've got all sorts of precautions that we're going to take. But uh, I just want to say to you, if you haven't been baptized as an adult, where you can be fully cognizant of what God is doing in your life, I want to invite you to join with others and get baptized as an adult. It will be an experience that changes your life. Now I want to talk to us about small groups. Today is a big day in our church because we are opening our enrollment in all kinds of small groups in our church. And this is one of the most important parts of, 
of New Life. And I want to say whether you live in Petaluma or the Petaluma area or uh, anywhere else in the country or world, you can join uh, one of our small groups via Zoom. Uh, we have some that meet only on Zoom, and you could certainly participate in one of those. But let me set up what small groups are, and then we'll talk about the open enrollment. Small groups are groups of 8 to 12 people who meet either weekly or twice a month to help each other grow their faith. And in the process, they end up becoming good friends. Now, Peter alluded to this in a passage I just read to you, where Peter said, you can show others the goodness of God. Now, small groups provide a great context for us to show others the goodness of God. Because in them, we talk about the goodness of God. In them, we talk about how we're personally experiencing the goodness of God. In them, we talk about our struggles and how God is meeting us where we're struggling and, and God is helping us in those struggles and helping us grow. So it's a natural place for us to talk about the goodness of God. And here's some other reasons why you should be part of a small group. The people in our small group become our spiritual teammates. You might not realize it, but growing your faith is a team sport. It's not something that you do well on your own. Growing your faith is a team sport where you join with other people, and as you help them grow their faith, they help you grow yours, and together you grow your faith. We have a statement around here that says, together we go further. The small group, the people in your small group also become your safety net. These are the people that when you go to the doctor and, and you get a diagnosis that takes your breath away, these are the people who will pray with you. These are the people who will walk with you. These are the people when you encounter a problem in business or you get laid off or whatever else it might be, these are the people who will walk with you through that process and they will help you retain your sanity and they will help you. Uh, they are your safety net. And then last of all, in these small groups, we help people experience God. It's just such an amazing thing. Our open enrollments begin today. And I want to show you something before I tell you how you can join. I want you to watch two videos. The first is from friends of mine who lead a community group, one of our small groups in our church. It's Carrie Bunting and Don and Cindy Reed. Take a look at them as they hang out together. And then right after that, there's a video from Joel, our lead pastor, and he's going to give you some other reasons why it would be a great idea for you to join one of our small groups. Well, hey, new life, Christy and Yart here. Hey, we are so excited. We are at the Don and Cindy Reed's community group tonight. Um, you know, I know it's been a long time since we've gathered as a church, but what you may not know is that all through this COVID season, the church has been alive and well, and we have been gathering all over Sonoma County in community groups. We're gathering over Zoom. We're gathering safely on backyard patios. And so tonight, I just wanted to show you a little bit about what happens in a community group and give you a little glimpse. So come on, let's go. Cindy, so can you tell me a little bit about your small group, how often you guys meet, what you guys do, what's it like? 
Well, this group uh, is a Monday night group. It's uh, mixed. Any age groups welcome to join us. Uh, actually, and we meet every every week with this group. And we're currently just tonight. We're going to start the Epic of Eden, which is a video series studying the Old Testament. And so we're uh, looking forward to uh, diving deep into that and uh, um, having fun because that's what this group does. We we. We share, we have fun, we study, we pray, we love. Small groups to me during this COVID season, and particularly the one that we share uh, with the Reeds, has honestly been a really big breath of fresh air. Um, it's consistent, it's regular, and that's important, it's what you need. Um, so whether it's weekly or monthly, or us just texting daily, you need that. You need that affirmation more than just I need it more than just the time that I might have just with God and I. It's nice to have people with me and around me, whether it's virtually, whether it's in person. Um, it's been really good. I needed it more than I thought I needed it during this time. Being in this small group has added an element of stability in such an unstable time. And this is just a great gift that I'm so happy to be a part of. Come check us out. Um, don't uh, worry about any um, expectations other than just engaging um, with each other and just be open and studying together. Yeah, join a group. Group is church. Hey, New Life. I can't tell you how excited I am that we have groups in our church. Uh, I love what Don shared when he said, group is church. One of the things that we knew we wanted to make sure was alive and well in the church that we were stepping into when Christy and our family came to New Life was there was a small group, strong base that was at work in place. Because I, I think groups is where we really get to roll up our sleeves and be church together. And in this time, more than ever, it's so important that we are connecting together. When, when our ability to gather together in the large building is, is limited because of COVID, we don't have to be limited as a church. We can engage relationally and connect with one another. And, and so I'm excited that we're rolling into the next launch, the next season of our community groups as a church. For Christy and I, we've had the privilege of being a part of groups and the churches that we've been in, and they've been instrumental in our life helping us grow in our faith and our own story as we chase after Jesus. And, and I think there's something beautiful about when we choose to engage together in that way, when, when we share in the journey of, of what we're learning and what God's doing in our life. It's, it's a place where we get to actually encourage each other and, and help each other take next steps in following after Jesus. I'm excited that we're going to move into this time as a church. And so I really want to encourage you to to look at your life, look at your schedule, and, and make room so you can step into this time of being church with other people as we walk through this season coming up. And so our groups are going to begin in full swing the week of September 27th. And, and we're going to do something unique at, right out of the gate for our groups. All of our groups are going to be focusing in around our Sunday morning teaching, a six-week series that we're going to be in 
looking at how we grow in our faith and in our life. And for six weeks, we're gonna be unpacking this together to encourage each other and help each other go deeper together. We're gonna be looking, about, looking at how God empowers us and what's our part to play in that and how we can help each other go deeper and grow more together. And so I wanna encourage you to be a part of this. It's gonna be a powerful time for us to be church together. And I know that there's a lot of challenges in the season for us. And so I really want to encourage you to not let the limitations of this season prevent you from stepping into the invitation to be church in this place, to be church together. And we're going to figure it out along the way uh, as we move forward. But this is where the heartbeat of our church lives. And we will make it strong together as we step into it. This is how we will thrive as we continue moving forward as a church. So check out the online registrations and jump in. Thank you, Carrie, Don and Cindy, and Joel. Now listen, as we wrap things up, I want to take the wraps off of a great project that we're going to be doing as a church. Not next week, but starting uh, on September the 27th, we're going to be launching a church-wide campaign, and this is going to be so much fun. We're going to do six straight weeks of teaching, and then all of our small groups are going to be processing small group materials based on those teachings. And get this, the central topic, the central theme is called Ride the Wind. No, I'm not talking about a song by the band Poison. I'm talking about something far greater that, than that. In fact, I, I, I want to take us back to the story of Jesus and, and Nicodemus, and I want us to see what Jesus said uh, as he wrapped up that conversation with Nicodemus. He said, The wind blows wherever it wants. Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born by the Spirit. And that, that born can mean two things. It can mean born, like transitioning from one way of living to another, but it also can mean to be carried by. And we're going to talk about how we can ride the wind of God's Spirit. We're going to talk about six resources that God brings into our lives to help us ride the wind of His Spirit. Now, there are three types of small groups you can join in our church, and they're all found in the same place on our website. And those are, you can join an existing community group. These are groups of people that hang together for a couple of years and process all sorts of different materials together. There are some open spaces in some of those uh, community groups where you can step right into a community of ready-made friends for you, and you will end up becoming friends with all of them. You can register for a short-term group. These are groups that will be together for only the six weeks of this teaching series. But if you're new to our church, you don't have to make a two-year commitment. We only make a six-week commitment. But in that six weeks, you will end up making some friends and you will end up growing your faith. And then last of all, we, we are starting a very special small group. It's called Exploring Faith. It's going to be led by Joel, our lead pastor, and his wife, Christy. And so if you want to explore faith, maybe you're not sure, do I really believe in this God? Do I really believe in this Jesus? 
Uh, I want to know more about this kingdom of Jesus before I decide to be born into it. Uh, maybe you're already a Christian, but you feel, wow, I'm pretty uneducated about this whole following Jesus thing. I don't know that much about it. Well, exploring faith is for you. So here's how you can join. You can go to our website, which is newlifepetaluma.com, and then you go up to the groups tab, and then you go, you, you scroll down, and you'll see highlighted available groups. Click on available groups, and it will take you right to our groups page. You can see all the available groups. You can browse. You can select one that fits a time uh, that you can meet uh, or, or a day of the week that you can meet. Or maybe you're from a distance, so you're going to have to select one that meets via Zoom. But all that information is in there. Select the one you want. Click on it. An enrollment form will open up. It's a very simple thing that gets your name, your contact information, and gets you enrolled. And then uh, the leader of that small group will get in touch with you, and you're in. Now, we want to close. We started out by saying, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And we started out by saying that with a song that said, I want to be in the light as you are in the light. Well, there's a, there's a song we want to end with that has a very, very powerful message about how you and I can be part of the solution and become individual world changers I want you to enjoy Be the Light. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.